Tonight on Options Action, the Fed makes no bones about it. Rates will continue to rise until inflation is under control. The markets with a sharp Friday sell-off, the Dow closing down over 1,000 points. The S&P 500 dropping over 3% and the Nasdaq falling close to 4% on the day. The ramifications set to reverberate through rate-sensitive stocks like financials and real estate. We'll drill down on those sectors straight ahead. Plus, what's next for the consumer? The high end's been hanging on, but is everything in the retail space now more vulnerable in this rising rate environment for longer? We'll go inside the numbers. This is Options Action. I'm Courtney Reagan in this evening for Melissa Lee. With me tonight, Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tim Seymour. Let's start with a look at today's big sell-off. Carter, it was quite a day here on Wall Street. I know it probably spooked a number of investors. What do you make of the action today? Were you surprised by the sharpness and the sell-off with just Jay Powell more or less reiterating what he had said previously, but sort of telling us it wasn't going away anytime soon, the high interest rate pol- higher interest rate policy? You just touched on it by saying no bones about it and then reiterating what he said. It was a status quo week. And here's what that means. Oil has been going up and it's up again this week. Energy is the only sector up. It was up last week. And interestingly, small caps are outperforming, which is to say what's leading on the way down? The Qs were down much more than the S&P. The S&P was down much more than the Russell 2000. And yields didn't even move. 2.97 last Friday, and this Friday, 3.04. Really, it is just that, reiterating what we have known, and the market simply reacted. And so, Mike Coe, what do you make of that market reaction? Was it just a knee-jerk sell-off, a knee-jerk reaction, a sharper move because it's a Friday in August? How do you make sense of it? Uh, Well, I mean, I think there can sometimes be lower liquidity as we approach uh, the Labor Day weekend, although I don't really think that that was too much at play uh, here today. You know, one of the things that surprises me is that everybody is surprised. I mean, consider what we were hearing from people like Mary Daly, the San Francisco Fed uh, Fed president, for quite some time. You know, she had actually been saying, listen to us, we are going to continue to act. And I don't think that most people would argue that she is one of the most hawkish individuals at the Fed. So how can they be surprised when Powell comes out today and says, I'm going to continue to do and I'm going to continue to say what I've been saying all along? Um, this is not Alan Greenspan Fed speak where, you know, it's gobbledygook and we can't really try to figure it out. I mean, they're laying out what they're going to do with respect to the 10 year rate, which I think is what Carter was referring to. One of the natural things we would expect is if the Fed does its job, if it manages to get inflation under control, and if that does have those necessary sort of side effect that is going to have a slowing effect on the economy, then actually what the 10-year rate did, which is essentially nothing, is exactly what you would expect. Hmm. Yeah, and Carter made that point as well uh, for the 10-year. You know, Tim, as I as I think it through, and if I push aside the numbers that I saw on the screen with the way that the stocks were selling off, and I think about what's really happening here, Jay Powell wants to get inflation under control. It's at 40-year highs. It feels like a good thing to do. We all want this to be able to be a possibility. We just don't want the trade-off of depressed economic growth and higher joblessness when we have this labor market that's so strong. But should we all get a little bit comfortable with maybe a little bit of that pain? 
Well, I, I think part of the pain you're also seeing in the stock market is in the retail sector, and that's coming from the expectation that, that higher interest rates, especially on home equity loans and adjustable rate uh, mortgages and, and auto loans, are things that are very painful on Main Street. That's why a day like today, the message was to the consumer, you're going to endure more pain. And, and I think for the markets, as the, the guys have discussed, the interesting thing going into today, and really um, at least going into this week, the, the cross-asset correlation, bond stock stocks, commodities, uh, has been extremely high. Today it was not. You actually saw the bond market decouple. You even saw commodities decouple. Uh, we've talked a bit about energy. Uh, that's fascinating. The point here is, again, when the cost of capital is zero, equities have a lot of leeway to run, and you can buy growth out in the future. And that's really, to me, what the takeaway is of today. That's why semis uh, underperform massively. But also, as we've talked about in the first two minutes here, it's where the market has come from and expectations. The semiconductors rallied 30 percent in, in a month and a half or even a little bit less uh, and are now pulled back nine to 10 percent. Um, that, that shouldn't surprise people, especially on reinforcement of interest rate policy. OK, well, let's turn to the financials and dig in a little deeper. Rising rates should be a good thing for the banks. Right. But a slowing economy then could hurt the sector. So, Carter, you think the regional banks will bear the brunt of this impact. Why? And what are the charts telling you they're in? Right. I mean, just as you said, so if rates are moving in their favor, in principle, you want to be in interest rate sensitive names. But I don't think that's the case. And I don't like regional banks. Let's look at the KRE. The first chart is actually yields, just so we can see that, because that's the big subject of the day. And again, 10 year yields didn't move 2.97 this time a week ago, 3.04 right now. A head and shoulders top is what my eye sees. We shall see. But the KRE, so that's the spider regional bank ETF. And the first chart you see here is the all data chart. It's up and to the right since the 09 low. But look at this same chart relative to the S&P. Next iteration, it's down and to the right. The KRE has been underperforming since the day it was launched. It's, it's not a good place to be over time. Um, final two charts, the KRE itself, just the here and now chart. There's the uptrend, a very minor tight, but those are perfectly parallel lines. We broke trend. Where might we be headed? Final chart. I think we go back to the trend line above which we broke in July. So a good, you know, five, seven, eight percent lower. I'm a seller. Hmm. Thanks, Carter. That's very interesting. Tim, what's your take on the regional bank fundamentals here? Well, it's interesting. And Carter showed that long term chart because, you know, the short term chart from April, they've outperformed the S&P by by uh, almost 15 percent. Uh, it's out. They've outperformed the money center banks by almost 10 percent. But I, I tend to agree because, that, you know, my thesis would just be uh, we haven't even really gotten into credit dynamics. So uh, regional banks have actually been strong. Look at a PNC, which I think is the biggest weighted bank in this ETF. Uh, and they just talked about uh, strong net income growth. Uh, they talked about net increase, uh, income, I should say. And even where fee income was better than expected, that fee income, capital markets, et cetera, I think is going to be under a fair amount of pressure. Uh, I, I think banks are better positioned on credit here. Um, but what we haven't heard anybody talk about is, is really the credit impact of what a day like today actually could settle into. Hmm. OK, so then, Mike, what's the trade here for financials or regional banks? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we have in the options market right now as a result of what's been going on are elevated options premiums. So I think whenever we're taking a look at how to structure trades around our directional thesis, and in this case, that is uh, that regionals are going lower, 
you're going to look for spreads. I was looking out to November, this, the 65-60 put spread. That was about $1.85. It was only slightly in the money, actually, when I was looking at that earlier today. I think by day's end, KRE had come in quite significantly. It might have actually been close to $64. But you could, of course, adjust those strikes depending on where things open up on uh, Monday. But the idea here is that you want to mitigate uh, some of the accelerated decay that you're going to get uh, when you have these elevated options premiums. Hmm. Okay. Carter, when it comes to rates, there is a lot of similarity between banks and real estate, right? I mean, what are you seeing? That's right. Uh, so obviously, again, they're heavy users of capital, and they are very sensitive to the cost of money accordingly. Uh, and I thought it would be good if we can to let's look at REITs um, versus the KRE. I have a comparative chart here. And uh, what you'll see, of course, is that they are like railroad tracks. I mean, that is a five-year chart. Um, they're the same thing. Just to make that point even firmer, um, look at the next chart and include the S&P. So there you have KRE over five yeah. bases, deadlocked with IRY, IYR, excuse me, and then S&P. So it's the same setup. I don't like uh, REITs here in general either. So let's do a few uh, IYR charts on their own. Again, this is the REIT sector. And what you see here is that we, we, we faltered, we went below, broke below that uh, moment in time, which is the pre-COVID high. And now we're having rallied, we're hitting our head again. And so uh, the final two charts, this is really up close and personal, just uh, three months, no lines, no judgments, no annotations, final chart. This is what my eye sees. It's just a mm -hmm. minor head and shoulders top. We're right on the trend line and I think we break. Hmm. <clears throat> Mike, what's the trade then on the IYR? Yeah, I mean, the REITs generally, we have to understand that in the rate environment, they might be facing higher capital costs. That's a challenge. And if there is economic concerns, then for those that have seen a little bit of a rebound, including office REITs uh, and mall REITs, which are still down an absolute ton, I should say, that's obviously a risk area. Residential REITs have obviously outperformed because the landlords have been able to increase their rents. But the same dynamic that I spoke about with the regional banks and KRE applies here as well, which is the reason that, it, once again, I'm looking at a vertical put spread. In this case, the October 98-88 put spread is the one that I was looking at in IYR. That was going to cost just a little over a quarter of the distance between the strikes. That's the kind of payout that we're typically looking for, three to one, uh, if you get the trade right, and also trying to mitigate some of that accelerated decay that you're going to see in higher implied volatility environments like the one we're currently in. Hmm. Fascinating stuff. Well, still to come, the high-end consumer was holding out in the face of higher prices, but is that changing? Mike's call to action on Lululemon is coming up next. Plus, for more on Jackson Hole and today's Fed-induced market sell-off, stick around for tonight's CNBC special, The Fed Factor. We're minutes away from that. That's at the top of the hour. But in the meantime, we've got more options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. The overall retail sector getting hit by rate increases, though there was hope that the higher end cold hold could hold out, but that hope may now be lost. Lululemon shares down more than 23% this year. And while there was a brief tick higher, there is likely now more trouble heading into earnings next Thursday. Mike's got the call to action across the board. We saw pain in the retail sector. Just worry, I think, about consumers, the consumer psyche, and the impact in general on spending. 
Yeah, so the first thing I would uh, say about Lulu is this is actually a name that we are long in one of our funds. It's also, for those of you who watch fairly regularly, you know that it's a Holly index name, uh, the index of securities that I track <laughs> uh, that basically matches what uh, we spend our money on in our household. <laughs> Uh, now, the thing about Lulu is, let's just talk about some of the good stuff first. Um, Lulu is a higher-end demographic. It has a more resilient customer base. They're probably uh, more insensitive to economic pressures that we might be facing right now. And the other thing, big as the company has become, it still has a lot of uh, meaningful growth opportunities. They're expanding into footwear. They're expanding into men's apparel. And the real question when you take a look at a company that's trading at a little bit less than 30 times forward earnings and has had pretty decent top line uh, growth and very good net income growth is, should we be looking at companies like Nike, which is trading at about 28 times, or should we be looking at companies like Gap Stores, which by the way owns Athleta, which is a competing brand. Now we have earnings coming up on September 1st. Now, whatever good things I might say about the company, I have to recognize that that presents uh, a potential catalyst to push the stock lower in what is feeling like a pretty heavy market, and it's not the cheapest stock out there. So the way I think one could trade it, I was looking at a one by two put spread. I was just looking out to September, the 310, 260s, buying one 310 put, selling two of the 260s against it. Net net, you're spending a little less than 10 bucks. Now this is an over $300 stock, so we're talking about give or take about 3% of the current stock price. Now, if you take a look, you'll notice that 260 is considerably lower uh, than the current stock price. That also happens to be very close to where the stock bottomed out recently. And I'm choosing a relatively close expiration because the catalyst I see on the immediate horizon, of course, is the earnings, which they're going to be reporting on that first on the 1st of September. Right. OK. All that makes sense. Carter, what did Lulu's charts tell you? Well, it's struggling. Let's say it that way. I've got three charts and let's get right to it. So the all data chart, a well-defined trend line, you'll see it here. And we are just now flirting with breaking trend. Consider this, Lulu was $2.17 a share on the, pand on the financial crisis low in 09, an incredible run to 400. Now, more here and now, this next chart, that's just over the past 15 years. That's a pretty major head and shoulders top and then the here and now chart, the final chart, we're, we're in the apex, meaning this is a standoff between bears and bulls, and you break one way or the other. I'm sure there are many people think it's going to break up. My thinking is it breaks down. Hmm. Tim, what's your take on Lululemon? Is there anything interesting here for you, be it the valuation or the charts or a catalyst ahead of earnings? Well, I, I'd address, you know, Mike pointed out, is it a Gap multiple or is it a Nike multiple? And I, I would emphasize, and I think he was saying the same, it's, it's a Nike multiple. Uh, and in fact, they're growing faster than Nike. And if you, if you look at, you know, the quarter that we're expecting, uh, somewhere around 25% growth uh, and you know, some gross margin hit. But again, a company like Nike that has DTC, roughly 55% of their revenue stream comes from stores, 45 from e-commerce. The e-commerce trend is strong. Uh, it's a company that north of 30 times on a multiple, uh, this is where it's traded for the last couple of years. In the environment that we're talking about that's emphasized by a day like today, the question is how should this multiple contract and what premium to the S&P are you willing to pay? To me, mid-20s on Lulu is where you want to be looking at 11 bucks a share in, in 2023. You know, if you take that you know, to, to 30 times, we can do that math. You're talking about 310 a share, around 25. Maybe you get to Carter's level around 250.
Okay. Well, next up, one group of stocks catching Tim's eye in the middle of today's sell-off. The names that he's watching, that's ahead. More options action coming up right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. We're just minutes away from a CNBC special tonight at 6 p.m., The Fed Effect. Dom Chu is hosting along with our own Steve Leisman. Dom, a major sell-off today after Chair Powell's remarks. What's on tap for tonight? It's got to be a big show, I imagine. It's going to be huge, Courtney. So the reason why is on that CNBC special, as you referred, The Fed Factor, we are going to break down the nine-minute speech that sent the Dow lower by 1,000 points Fed Chair Powell, of course, packing quite a punch in those nine minutes, telling the markets that fighting inflation is the number one priority, even if, and this is the key part, even if it hurts the economy. So we are looking at every angle we possibly can with the limited amount of time that we do have. Hmm. Banks, technology, the consumer asking the question that you want the answer to, is there opportunity amid this sell-off and is the bottom near or has it already been behind us? That's all coming up, Courtney, at the top of the hour. And, of course, we're going to do that show. I'm sure the news with Shepard Smith is going to tackle it as well. We've got a lot of stuff planned for the next couple of hours, Court. Got it. Thank you so much, Don. We will be sure to be tuned in. Another check on how stocks ended the day. The three indices deep in the red after Chair Fed Powell warned of some pain ahead as a central bank continues to fight inflation. And Tim, you were pointing out more areas of the market that could be more sensitive right now. What are you looking at specifically? Well, yeah, first of all, the defensive parts that are healthcare and energy, I, I think, are, are kind of obvious here. But the, the high multiple tech stocks that, that have been under a lot of pressure for a year and a half and, and caught an enormous bounce, depending on which ones you're looking at, whether you're talking about a Zoom or, or a, a Block or you know the things that are in the, the ARKK ETF. And to me, high multiple tech companies, especially the companies that are not making money, uh, are the ones that not only are they under pressure in terms of their core business. I look at Roku and I look at the cyclical of of the TV ad business that they're exposed to. I look at, you know, we heard from Zoom. We heard some of the disappointing numbers uh, of all these companies. But these are the companies that in the environment where we're pricing assets differently and we're putting a different discount rate, a higher discount rate, these companies are worth less implicitly, if not explicitly. So that the high multiple tech, if you have a screen on your on your on your desk, which I do, these names were down almost two times the market today. And I think they're going to continue to be under some pressure. They've had a great bounce. Mike, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, the, the critical thing to think about here, uh, you know, Tim's bringing up rates. There's two issues to think about. One is how you discount future cash flows. The other, of course, is the cost of capital. So if you're dealing with growth companies that are not seeing profits, that are not seeing positive cash flow now, what does that mean? They need capital. They're borrowing it. And if those costs go up, that is a bad recipe. Combine that with, you know, declining sort of economic growth and factors like this. This is basically a a slew of headwinds for these names, and it's the reason they're under such pressure. Carter, what are your thoughts here? Well, remember, one of the things of being being adored and loved, and this was such an adored and loved area of the market, both in aggregate, these stocks, but individually, they also have uh, the most suffering on the way down. And the beating they've had and the bounce they've attempted to mount uh, is feeble. And so the bounce is key. It's just not in line with other things. And they are high beta. This is the last place you want to be in the event of general market weakness. Tim, is there one name you're interested in playing or you're looking at more carefully here today after we heard from the chairman? Well, I, I guess if if we're talking about from the long side, I, I, I from the mega cap 
tech world, the, the companies that at times are painted with a high tech multiple uh, brush. I mean, a Google, for example, to me is is the best value uh, in tech. And whether it's a peg ratio, which is a price to an earnings growth uh, of one or less than one, uh, an earnings multiple that's probably 17, 18 times. So in line with the market and you're getting growth north of 20 percent. Days like today are where investors really do need to be making their list. It's a scary time, but uh, companies that are predictable, companies that are giving you the kind of free cash flow that a Google gives, these are the ones that I get excited about on a day like today. Well, stick around. You'll want to get the final call coming up next. We'll be right back. It's now time for the final call. Carter, let's start with you. Interest rate areas that are sensitive to what's going on in the long end of the curve. I don't like them. KRE, mutual banks, I'm a seller. IYR, US real estate, also ETF. I'm a seller. Okay, Tim. Markets are a function of sentiment and positioning as well as fundamentals. I just want to point out that we're, we've never been this net short on S&P futures. Cash levels for hedge funds are over 6%, which is very high, and sentiment is awful. So for investors, remember that. And I think there's a lot of bad priced into this market as well. Okay, and Mike, take us home. Yeah, we've, we've had a dip. That means we could certainly get a rip. I expect we probably will see some. So if you're making your bearish bets, do so with put spreads. It's the risk managed way to lean short. All right, some good advice here for investors. That does it for us on Options Action here this evening. But we'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. A CNBC special, The Fed Factor, starts right now.